Today in the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, we're going to be talking about the Tessa Blanchard situation. She just signed with Woman of Wrestling and what's going on with her and who they pitched the idea for her to do some type of work um, during the summer with NWA. Also, we're going to be talking what happened Friday night with SmackDown, AEW Rampage. That's going to be the main event of today's topic. Also, we're going to talk about AEW Review, AEW Rampage. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about WWE and their low ratings. We're going to have that and much more on the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. It is Welcome to another episode of the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. I am your host, the infamous Ultimate One from New York City. And guys, uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody who listened to my podcast last week with the one and only, the sexy scion, Eric Jaden, his interview to me. My personal opinion was very inspirational and motivational. And for those who took the time to listen to the podcast, and even listen to the main event, which he was the main event uh, of the po- of the podcast episode last week. Uh, I just want to say thank you because you know that to me, uh, me and him were playing this for a long time. He was just going through his storms, and he. I'm glad that he's back in the business. But you know, what I'm saying, like I said, thanks for all the people who supported it and continue to support the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Um, also guys, if you guys notice that on my, um, on my thumbnails, you see the, uh, Jonas, uh, logo again. Yes. I am back with wrestlingjoners.com again, the Jonas, uh, network. Um, you know, I, I, I left for a little while because I needed to, you know, take my thoughts somewhere else, you know, during the summer, uh, it's a lot of things were going on during the summer. And, but I'm back, and I hope that anyone who listens out there in the UK who keeps supporting me, I appreciate that. But let's talk what happened during the week of wrestling last week. Um, we had a lot of stuff going on, um, especially uh, they started off Monday, I believe. Um, and, you know, uh, I have now gone to the point where I, um, you know, every week, Oh, every day I get to, uh, well, almost every day, I get into Insta- um, Instagram and I get my little story of the biggest uh, news of the day, stuff that's going on in wrestling. Uh, well, Monday started off uh, with the update on Brock Lesnar, WWE schedule following his crown jewel. And as you guys know, this Thursday coming out, they'll have crown jewel with um, the, the, the match between Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Champion. Um, I know a lot of people are going to ask me if I'm going to watch it. I, I, first of all, I don't have the WWE Network, which I'm not paying for that. The network is just pretty much garbage because Peacock has it. And every time anybody sees anything through that pay-per-view, there's always the delays. There's always nonsense. So I'm not going to watch it. Uh, but I have news on there that said Lesnar is set to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Champion in Saudi Arabia. But the question is whether he'll be sticking around after that. 
And there's news that he that they're thinking of doing a long-term storyline on this. I mean, you have to. Roman Reigns has been everybody in SmackDown who is out there to beat him. And I don't care what anybody say. Oh, but Drew McIntyre is now in SmackDown. Roman Reigns beat him last year at the Survivor Series. So why would you put him again against uh, Drew McIntyre when we saw what was the outcome of that? And that's been the problem with WWE. They pretty much... Uh, they go and they put stuff and they try to play people up. I mean, you saw what happened this past Friday with the SmackDown. I mean, they made they hyped it up. Uh, all Lesnar's coming in, and, and, and all they did was leave cliffhangers. Uh, who is Paul Heyman being loyal to? Is he being loyal to Roman Reigns? Is he really being loyal to Brock Lesnar? Being that him and Brock Lesnar has a long, long history, and that's the only reason I watch SmackDown because of that. It, because of that storyline. Is that storyline great? Yeah, but what happens when it turns out the outcome of that, what were they going to run with? And somebody made it clear, like, after Roman Reigns, his um, reign as a universal champion and his heel run is over, who is the next one who's going to have that long heel run on SmackDown? And the answer is no one. They haven't prepared anybody to get that, that uh, the... Uh, the part of him being a uh, a long-term heel, someone they could run, you know, deal with as far of taking over SmackDown. And that, you know, guys, that is not going to happen. So let's move on with this. The Tensor Blanchard, which I brought it up on Instagram. Um, as you guys know that what Women's of Wrestling is coming back. They were an Access Channel during the time when Access Channel was owned by someone else. They had New Japan Pro Wrestling. This was back in 2019. And of course, Tessa Blanchard was there at that time. I don't think she ever won the belt there, but there was a lot, a lot of negative stuff coming out of there when the whole Tessa Blanchard went after the Impact World title back in January of 2020. Uh, the racism, the bullying, all that came out front. And there was a report this week that uh, she she was accused of trying to strong up the higher ups to win it to win at all in and this was I think it was 2018 2017. Uh, this is when uh, Cody Rose and the Young uh there uh, was there that they would not make putting 10,000 people in an arena because that wasn't done since the WCW days and of course that happened. And during the match, there was Britt Baker, I believe uh, Kylie Ray, um, I think Chelsea Green, and uh, Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green said that Tessa Blanchard brought her knockouts world title with her and she was wanting to come out with it, which it was kind of a, you know, it, it was kind of crazy because why would you bring your title up when that belt is not being defended? So um, according on the Green with MV podcast, Chelsea Green said that Tessa Blanchard tried to wear her impact title to the ring at the all-in pay-per-view, which Green believed was an attempt from Blanchard to make herself look better than her opponents and to possibly strong her higher up into making sure she won. The match at Olin was a four-way between Green, Blanchard, Britt Baker, and Madison. Oh, actually, it was Madison Rain. It was not Kylie Ray. I'm sorry. Madison Rain, which Blanchard ended up winning. So um, she said, Tessa Ward, who, who was in our match, brought her effing title Um impact title to the show and tried to come out with it in my mind it was a way to look better than all of us bringing out a title being the only person to come out to the room with us the fans are obviously immediately going to put you above the rest and blancher 
joining Wall was met with a lot of criticism, which only became even more pronounced after there was a T-shirt release seemingly mocking the past accusations that had been made against her and her nuclear reputation. So this woman does not learn. Not only she joins WoW, no one, the big promoters didn't want to sign her because she was nuclear, and she got fired by Impact last year because she didn't want to send uh, video promos to the company because, you know, she was the Impact World Champion. She had the men's title. Goes now and pulls out a teacher mocking the past accusation. It goes to show you the the uh, the ignorance of this woman. Now, mind you, I was a big, big Tessa Blanchard fan. I thought she was the best in 2019. Her match against uh, Simon McCallaghan in Slanniversary 2019 was one of the best matches I've seen, which it was a, a intergender match, the first of its kind. And she goes and, you know... Um, and she doesn't, instead of being humble and say, okay, I'm sorry, it's good to show you that she's not sorry. She claims there's accusations. Well, here's another one, because a couple of days later, there was a ridiculous uh, woman of wrestling pitch for Tessa Blanchard involving wrestlers she had uh, allegedly racially abused. And this was Rosa Negra. Rosa Negra is a Puerto Rican wrestler who said that Tessa Blanchard Call her the N-word in the back of the uh, in the locker rooms and all that. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, well, how do you know this? Do you got proof? This was Allison K even brought this up. Okay, this was this was brought up when she was going for the Impact World title against, I believe, was uh, what's it, Brian Cage or Sammy Callahan. I don't remember who the world champion she'd be. I think it was Sammy Callahan. But... If this was this black cloud, <coughs> excuse me. If this black cloud was hanging over her the night before her world title match, okay, and Impact still put the title on her, okay, and then she did what she did after the pandemic, that shows you everything is to know about her. She didn't respect the world title, she thought she was better than anybody, okay, she didn't send the videos and the promo that impact was asking for and pretty much she didn't care she didn't give a rat's ass and this is why they even after the pandemic oh let's put it in not even the pandemic still around but even as the pandemic slowed down and a lot of companies open you haven't seen anybody really giving her a, a, a contract i mean she fought in the warriors of wrestling against kylie ray that's who she fought in the warriors of wrestling kylie ray and that's the only match she's been she has wrestled since, you know. And now women of wrestling gonna come with a stupid pitch to actually get uh Rosa Negra to have a sit-down with both of them. Um, to talk about what? And I believe NWA was trying to get that going, and they failed. They were trying to bring Tessa Blanchard to the um to the woman power uh pay-per-view they had. But it, it's 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 ridiculous. And it goes to show you that NWA will do everything, anything to bring in anybody so they could get some clout. Now, don't get me wrong, NWA did a fabulous job with that woman's pay-per-view they had, but they 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 really, really um they really um trying to get some type of clout. So this this was this was ridiculous. 
it's very ridiculous. And my, uh, the way I see it is just you trying to get somebody to talk and whatnot about, you know, uh, the situation that happened a couple of years ago and because for the sake of the promotion, because you want to bring Tessa Blanchard in. Get the hell out of here. And I want to know where Woman of Wrestling is going to be airing because the way I look at it, if you think about it, where are they going to go? They ain't going to go to Access Channel because Access Channel is owned by Impact's parent company, Anthem. And it was Anthem and Impact who fired Tessa Blanchard. So I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. But WWE... And talking about this, another topic I want to bring up, WWE released Bray Wyatt because he became difficult to work with, according to Andrew Zarian. Hmm. Um, and uh, Andrew Zarian right now, uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm follow, follow him on Facebook, but I'm kind of questioning his, uh, who he, um, who his sources are. Because this is the same guy who had the nerve as I looked this morning, he said that SmackDown beat uh, AEW Rampage when this is a two-hour gap. So how the hell did Rampage went on head-to-head with SmackDown? When SmackDown uh, was on at 8 o'clock, 8 to 10, uh, and then the buy-in was at 9. So already 8 and 9 o'clock, already SmackDown already had the lead, uh, was ahead. So come on. It's stupidity. But anyway, they are... WWE is blaming that Bray Wyatt was difficult to deal with. That his, um, the best part is that his weight was a problem, difficult to work with. Now let's be realistic. Bray Wyatt got let go because Bray Wyatt probably had the nerve and the audacity to finally confront the higher ups about his creative direction. Because if you look at it, while he was doing his bid at the. Uh, of the uh, whatever thing he had in the bag with the with the puppets and all that, all of a sudden, uh, um, Alexa Bliss became part of that. All of a sudden, little by little, you saw that Alexa Bliss was taking a lot of his creativity for her own game. Now I know I'm gonna have a lot of Alexa Bliss, uh, uh, you know, jerk offs because that's what I call them jerk offs because they're so fucking. Uh, uh, you know, dramatized and infatuated with this woman while they're home eating a cupcake because that's what I'm gonna do. Because the Alexa Bliss fans are out of control sometimes, they even had some a hole stalking her, talking about he was gonna go to her house and, and, and kill her fiance. I remember that shit, but anyway, they took all his creativity. And next thing you know, you did not see Bray Wyatt on TV anymore. So basically, they probably tell him, Well, we're gonna take you to this direction, we want to do this direction. And he figured, your direction sucks, okay? And he knew that what they were doing with Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss was going to be probably going to make her the Abigail, and she was going to take over everything. And at the end of the day, she pretty much did that because the next thing you know, they brought in the damn doll, okay? And now the doll is gone. Alexa Bliss is no longer on TV, and now what? But I love how WWE likes to blame the wrestlers when in reality, blame yourselves because... A man who has a creative mentality like Bray Wyatt, and you put your 36 writers, all of them comedy, don't have to know nothing about wrestling. We know that. And you go and take a man's creativity and put it on your own, and then all of a sudden he becomes problematic. And the nerve for you guys to say that his weight, the man was in the best shape of his life. 
They even claim that he had financial problems. How he has financial problems when he, you know, he has, you know, he's pretty much uh, uh, under contract with you guys. So I feel that's a bunch of excuses. Um, they know that they fucked up. That's the only way I could put it. And they know it. They definitely know it. And they want to put, you know, point fingers at people because that's what WWE does. So we'll be right back after this. Today's Chokeslam Wrestling Report is brought to you by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle, SD shop, or full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discount on postage and shipping from USPS or UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com new rate advisor tool. You compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, you'll get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the, the homepage, and type in P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Jada Red Sante, host of Turnbuckle Tabloid, and you're listening to the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. And we're back. And now we're going to talk about a little bit of what happened on Friday with AEW, I mean, AEW Rampage. Um, and of course, we're going to start off with the buy in. And we're going to be talking about the head to head that happened with uh, SmackDown and AEW Rampage. Um, I got a lot of thoughts about that. But first match was Tay Conti versus Satana Garrett. Conti and Garrett locked up and traded some missed kicks. Garrett hit a few arm drags before Conti countered a single leg takedown and broke Garrett into a submission. Conti hit a bicycle kick to the face for the first two count of the match. Garrett hit a step right to the face and got some boos from the crowd. She followed up with a cartwheel elbow and a suplex. Conti caught her with another kick to the face as she fired herself up and she nailed three more running boos and the DDT for the win. As side content B Santana Garrett. Now, my thoughts in that match with Santana Garrett. Um, I never seen Santana Garrett wrestle. And yes, people, you'll be like, What? You never seen that? Well, 
Danny Gary was in NXT and all that, and this was the second time these two wrestled. I never got to see them wrestle. To me, well, I saw about uh, Santana Garrett, she doesn't sell well. Uh, Santana Garrett did not impress me at all. And, of course, Ty, Ty County, of course, she improves every week. Santana Garrett, I think she was like, I felt like they were dancing in the ring. It's like she was like, okay, we're going to do this and do that. And I, I was not impressed at all with that. So that match, they gave it a C plus. Uh, and... You know, uh, according to the analysis that I'm reading here, Content Garrett only had about five minutes, but that was enough for them to each show off some of the skills that got them to where they are. Conti has improved by leaps and bounds since leaving WWE, and Gary was already known as a good worker, but there was something off about how they work together. That is true. They were not on point. I don't know. I don't know if it was Santa Garrett. It looked like they were dancing in the ring. I don't know. It takes time for points to develop chemistry. So any missteps were probably resolved on trying to figure each other out as performers. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they went over it or not, but, you know, that was something I was like, okay, what's wrong with this? The next match was Lee Moriarty versus Bobby Fish. Lee Moriarty, I had seen them wrestle um, in MLW. He was part of Battle Riot this past summer. And I, when I first looked at him, I said, this guy is pretty good. Uh, wow, MMW. Uh, pretty much got a young talent there, but I didn't know that he did not have a contract with MLW. If he does, uh, I mean, kudos to him because AEW ended up signing him after his match with Bobby Fish that he had at the buy-in. Moriarty looked pumped for his Rampage debut against Fish. They circled each other before trading some strike. Fish caught a kick, but Moriarty was able to keep his balance. Chance of Bobby broke out before... Fish took control and with a kick to the chest, Moriarty came back with his own takedown to an ankle lock. Fish reversed the hole to begin a series of reversals and transition. Fish broke it up with some left and right. They kept training control back and forth to keep the match competitive. Fish picked him up and drove him into the corner as the dueling chance broke out in the crowd. Moriarty began to build some momentum with a quick sequence of strikes and power moves. He hit a big double stump at the end for a close two count. Fish unloaded on him with kicks and Saito suplex for a near fall. Morietta captured his arm and hit his own suplex for another two count. But then Fish hit an explosive suplex to the rope before taking Morietta's head off with a huge kick for the win. And this was given a A-minus match, which I agree with. Uh, both Matt competitors were very good. But Bobby Fish, of course, because of the experience, he's been around forever. Uh, I was very, very impressed. Uh, Fish and Moriarty had zero buildup for this match. so But they managed to tell a fun story. A young up and coming time trying to take down an aging veteran and the technical precision and the variety of moves they used was awesome. Fittest strikes were stiff and Moriarty's submissions were clean. This is a pairing AW should revisit in the future. The same tailor made for each other. Now, one thing I noticed that Bobby Fish comes out. Bobby Fish comes out. In his uh, entrance with the Red Dragon theme song. Now, I don't know if anybody had noticed, but he has come out with the Red Dragon theme song. Now, uh, the other guy who's in NXT, I keep forgetting uh, his name, uh, the part of uh, Undisputed. Um, he's going to be probably soon um, O'Reilly. That's the name. O'Reilly's going to be probably a free agent soon. And all I'm telling you right now is that when O'Reilly is a free agent, he is going to be joining AEW, and you're going to see Red Dragon back together. I don't see, 
I don't see uh, Undisputed Era with another different name coming out. I doubt that because I don't think they're going to do that uh, because I'm still saying Kevin Steen, which is Kevin Owens now, will be AEW sometime in the wintertime of next year, and they will probably turn on Kenny Omega, and the Mount Rushmore Wrestling will be back together. Trust me on that. So um, give me a second here. Um, I've been like with a little cold this week, so bear with me. So now the man, the main event the buying was Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki, one of my favorite Japanese wrestler, even though he's in his 50s, this man is no joke. And this match was no joke. And I'm and I will be talking about this match because no one saw this coming in the middle of the week where everybody was talking about SmackDown. And WWE being petty, adding a half an hour extra to combat Rampage. I don't know why they did that, but I will be talking about it in the main event in this episode. But nobody saw this as Tony Khan became gangster. What I'm going to say, he figured, well, you know what? I may not make a lot of money on this, but I'm going to show you. I am a wrestling mark, and I love wrestling, and this is what I'm going to put the main event for the uh, the buy-in was Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki, which it was one of the best matches <coughs> that I've seen in a while. And I say this was match of the year candidate. Many will say, oh, that's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Then you don't know your wrestling. But Danielson Suzuki had a brief stare down before the ref called for the belt. The cry was on his feet before they even made contact. They locked fingers for a test of strength. Suzuki got the upper hand and brought Danielson to his knees. Danielson countered the wrist lock. He tried to pull Suzuki in abdominal stretch, but the Japanese legend went and reversed it. Like he always does, this man is no joke when it comes to that. He reversed it and applied his own. Suzuki avoided a knee bar by rolling to the ropes right away. The American dragon picked the ankle and took Suzuki off his feet. He hit one kick to the leg, and Suzuki just smiled at him. He dared Danielson to hit him, so he did. This began an exchange of different strikes as they tested each other's resolves. Suzuki hit a huge forearm match that finally took Danielson off his feet. And when I tell you he hit him with a forearm, he hit him with a forearm. You hear the snap of the forearm hitting against the jaw of Danielson, and people was like, wow. I mean, he dropped him. You know what I'm saying? And then when he got back up, Danielson unleashed a flurry of kicks, a flurry of kicks, and elbows to the veteran. They took the fight out in the ring where Suzuki regained the upper hand. Danielson reversed an Irish whip to send him into the ring post where he drilled him with a knee from the apron. The American dragon applied a cattle mutilation and turned it into a pen for a near four. Suzuki hit a few running kicks, but Danielson refused to stay down. The king of pancreas seemed dumbfounded at his resilience. They exchanged forearms until Suzuki put his hand behind his back. Dead Danielson to get on his best shot. And the Dramican Dragon obliged and they ended with right hands that took each other down. After a long back and forth, Danielson hit the flying knee for the pin. And this, to me, like I said, match of the year candidate at A+. This match has been highly anticipated since the moment it was announced for a good reason. This has been one of those bouts we never thought was possible until recently. Thankfully, Danielson and Suzuki made sure it lived up to the hype. And yes, it was. Because you know what? Um, again, you have a lot of AEW haters. You have uh, these wrestling marks that goes and say, oh, 
AEW's picking up all the WWE uh, guys that they let go, blah, blah, blah. The thing they keep forgetting, and I'm going to keep saying it, is there's the forbidden door, which is wide open now. It's not even literally slightly open. It's way open. Anybody could pop out of it and go into AEW. I'm waiting for Kenta to show up at AEW and confront CM Punk. It's bound to happen. And when that happens, that will be the talk of the town. Nobody going to be talking about WWE. They're not. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because WWE doesn't care about their fans. And they proved that on Friday. They really proved it on Friday. And I'm like I said, I'm going to go into the topic of that um, soon. Um, also, so after that, they went into Rampage, CM Punk versus Matt Seidel. Uh, Seidel talked about the spotlight uh, should be on him instead of Punk because he has worked everywhere. Punk has worked and held ties around the world. They shook hands before locking up. Punk, Punk took Seidel down the headlock, but the high flyer had a counter. Ready for him, Seidel show off some of his technical skill with a series of takedown and crucifix pin for a two count. Punk wrestled him down, but Seidel used his speed to keep Punk on his toes. He rolled Punk into a bow and arrow submission to Punk roll over into a pin for near four. Punk tried to play to the crowd and hit a couple of body slams, but Seidel took him down with an arm drag and hit a few st- stiff kicks to the thigh. The straight edge superstar counters Seidel's finisher and hit a drop kick for another two count. Punk slammed side out on the edge of the apron and hit a rolling senton after bringing him back into the ring. The fans chanted for the GTS, but Punk decided to hang him on the tree of war instead. They ended up fighting on top of the top, top turnbuckle until they knock each other down to the floor. Punk hit his signature corner knee and clothesline combo for a two count. Sandell escaped the anaconda fights by getting his leg on the ropes. He nailed Punk with a huge kick to the head and his lightning spiral for close, close to count. But then Punk countered a crucifix and hit the GTS. For the win. A great match. Uh, I, I mean, think about it. Now you had the Danielson Minoru Suzuki match, and now Punk had to follow that up. You know what I'm saying? You know, and that was to me, it was a great match. Even though it took like CM Punk like forever, and he was taken to the limit. He looked like Seidel took him to the limit. And so I don't think um, CM Punk is still at the wrestling cardio stage, but as, as he weeks go on and he wrestles all these young guys, he'll be back in there. The next match was not much that I was really happy about this. The Bunny versus Ruby Soho. <coughs> the Bunny looked impressive. As Ruby made her way out to the crowd, chanting her into her music. They locked off for for control to come into a clean break in the corner. They shoved each other a bit before Soho grabbed Bunny, Bunny's fingers and kicked her hair in the ribs. Bunny blocked a hip toss, but Soho kept the upper hand with a knee to the face. Bunny ran Soho straight to the middle of the turnbuckle, follow up with a drop kick to a close two count. Return from the break to see Soho hitting a flurry of forearms and shots. She pushed Bunny's face into the middle turnbuckle and hit a few running kicks to the head. Bunny tripped her on the middle rope and pinned her head to the to deliver a super kick. She hit a German suplex for the middle rope, but Soho kicked out the two count and Rumi counter Bunny into a backslide to get the pin. And right after that, we saw Penelope Ford. Come and hit Soho with the brass knucks, knocking her out. So now it looks like all these three women are going to want to be the first ones to be in the TBS championship. It's going to happen in January, so we'll probably see them collide again during the tournament. That match, uh, it was graded a B. So the inner circle versus men of the year with Junior the Santos, and this match was the match that everybody was looking forward to. I look to see Junior the Santos. Does anything like Ken Velasquez did when he fought Brock Lesnar and he wrestled in AAA. But I think um, 
the Santos did much better than Velasquez. Uh, Dan Lambert flipped out the fans for not singing pace. Sky, Dos Santos, and the ring the same way they did for Inner Circle. Sky and Guevara kicked things off the teams. Hold on one second. I'm choking here. I hate when I have a head cold. Sorry, guys. Um, so Sky hit a kick to the gut and a series of elbow strikes to take control. Guevara rolled him up for a two count and hit a lipping kick for the middle rope. Jericho and Dos, Can- Dos Santos both tagged in, and JDS took him to the corner with a flurry and body shot. Uh, those body shots did not look good at all. I, I like he was hitting him with, uh, uh, like, slapping uh, Jericho in the corner, but he kicked Jericho as he jumped off the middle rope. Hager tagged in. The two MMA stars squared off. Dos, Dos Santos backed Hager to the corner, but the powerhouse lifted him up for a slam. They cornered Hager to the, so Sky could tag in. Hager ran him over with a clothesline and then tagged Jericho, the former AEW champion, rolled out to the ring and had some words with Jorge Mazadov before Paige took him out with a knee from the apron. We returned from the break to see Jericho hit Paige with a kick out of the de- kicked out out of desperation. Sky Guevara both got the tag and the TNT champion hit a springboard cutter and shooting star press for the two count. All hell broke loose as everyone started fighting at ringside. Hager put the sun through a table and Jericho put Sky. And the Lion Tamer, Masvidal, I'm sorry, I'm saying his name wrong, Masvidal came in and hit a flying knee while the ref was distracted, giving Sky the chance to cover him for the win. So again, Scorpio Sky pins Chris Jericho. This is the second time that happened. So like you see, uh, this whole inner circle thing is still going on. Afterwards, we saw the inner circle of Santana and and um, Ortiz come in to help uh, Hager, Guevara, and Jericho because they were getting jumped by the top team. So there was a lot of outside interference too, a lot of Dan Lambert, all that stuff. It was crazy. So, um, you know, what, the, what else do you expect? Anyway, we'll be right back with AEW Dynamite Review. Hi, this is James Rodens from the WNR Podcast, and you are listening to the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. And we're back. So we're going to go to the review AEW Dynamite that happened last night in Miami. And of course, the you know, they they did it on a Saturday because I guess they had the NHL games on Wednesday. So they did it on Saturday. Next week, it will be Saturday again. Well, the first match of the night was Dante Martin, who challenged. Uh, well, he wasn't challenged. Malachi Black popped out last week and challenged Dante Martin to a match. This match was pretty good. Uh, I'm very impressed by what Dante Martin is doing. And again, after a week after answering Dante Martin's open challenge, Malachi Black squared off against the young competitors to kick off Saturday's show. I don't remember Dante Martin challenging Malachi Black. So I don't know if this is wrong, but I don't remember him challenging him. For this. But anyway, it kicked off Saturday's show moments after CM Punk made his stirring engine and took his place at the commentary position. Black aimed to the ground. To ground Martin, of course, uh, and he did. Uh, he, he made sure that Dante Martin did not take to the air, and he negating his speed and high fly arsenal. While working on his left leg with a single leg Boston Crab, Martin fought back, wiggle free off his opponent's grasp, delivered a reverse Rana that sent Black to the entrance wrap. 
He followed that up with a springboard senton that wiped out the heel. The combatant exchanged strike before Black delivered Meteora and followed with a German suplex for a near four. A look at disbelief painted his face as Leo Rush, Martin's new advisor, walked from ringside and Martin recovered and uncorked a super hurricanrana for a two count. Martin survived another single leg submission but went back to the road, springboarding off and further injuring his leg. The momentary hesitation, and this is the part that he hesitated because he looked like he was getting coached by Leo Rush on the outside. He turned his eye, and that momentary hesitation allowed Black to deliver the Black Max for the win. After the match, Black gave his opponent a nod, a rare show of respect, and that, uh, I mean, I was very happy that he did that because it shows that Malachi Black sees the potential that Denton Martin and has and now you know with leo rush on his corner we don't know where dante martin is going to go i mean his brother's still injured so that's going to be interesting to see if when his brother comes back and uh, whatnot so they gave that match a b plus i mean the uh the review on him is martin continues to look like a star here turning in on another gutsy performance and what was one of the biggest and more important matches to date he may not have won against the more savage competitor yet, but when he does, it will be more respected and appreciated by the fans. And that is true. You know, as for Black, he's such a refreshing competitor character. He's in AEW, and he should have been from day one in WWE, which I believe that is right. The results are wholly different, and his presence is a tone changer. He is an attraction, a modern-day Undertaker whose aura will make up for a lot enhanced even more black is is ready for that main event run now to compare him to the undertaker the undertaker is a living legend he has some great matches but he's somewhere there uh and malachi black could go further especially now his aew and aw um and tony khan knows what to do with him so the inner circle reunited to talk about you know to address Dan Lambert's American Top Team after some insult hurled by Chris Jericho at Paige Van Zant, Le Champion issued a challenge for a five-on-five tag match. Lambert said there were some stipulation and that he would wait until next week's Dynamite because he didn't want to waste another breath in Miami. So, Sam Guevara responded to a braggadocious promo from Scorpio Sky but wanted to be all the heels' asses. So, I see, my opinion, that they're going to put that belt on the line, the TNT title. And whoever pins Sammy Guevara, if they get to pin Sammy Guevara, they're going to get the title. And I hope that Sammy Guevara does not lose the belt in this type of stupid stipulation because it's not worth it. So we'll see where it goes next week if they do. Uh, this uh, inner circle stuff, um, it looks like they are done with the pinnacle. So we'll see what happens after that. So, I mean, they did beat uh, the inner circle on Friday, but, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. You know, we know there's an issue. We know that American Top Team won the Tate Tag Team on Friday's Rampage, but I don't know. The promos, just have a match. That's that's the way I look at it. This is an interesting match. This is uh, a Triple A Tag Team Championship match with the Lucha Bros putting their Triple A Tag Team titles on the line and the Idolo. Uh, Andrade say he had friends, mass wrestling friends. I'm thinking maybe the Dragon Lee might come. Uh, maybe you know, uh, Dragon Lee comes in with uh, 
the other guy that teams up with with the Lucha Bros or Laredo Kid or something. Well, it turns out these wrestlers weren't known as Super Ronas. Now, it's funny because during this match, CM Punk already knew who was under the hood, which kind of showed that, you know, some 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 stooge stuff was going on. And sure enough, we saw the match. So Andrade Nino promised a match team to oppose AEW. He didn't say who it was. Triple A tag team champions um, Penta and Phoenix said, we'll put the belts against anybody. And I think the reason they did that was because Penta and, and Phoenix has held those belts for almost a year and a half. They had their title rings. They had just fought El Hijo de Vikingo and Laredo Kid in Mexico a week before that. And they've been having those belts for over a year, past over a year. So uh, they probably figured, well, you know what? You need to bring those belts to uh, to Mexico or have another team. So why not put uh, the team that it was FTR under the mask? That's exactly what happened. And FTR against Lucha Bros, another dream match. I mean, I'm telling you, Tony Khan figured, well, you know what? WWE want to play games? We're going to pull out dream matches. And this was a dream match that I've been waiting for. FTR versus Lucha Bros. So, Andre, like I said, Andrade Alito promised a match tag team. And Pentazero Miedo, uh, instead of Miedo, whatever you call it, and Ray Phoenix for Saturday night. He produced FTR Dykes Hardwood because we're in a cheap luchador gear, which CM Punk was quick to point out early on, which that caught me all surprised. The champ on Master Opponent early leading to a more straightforward tag team match between the tandems. FTR dominated the competition in the break, but the sibling champions fall back with Penta launching Phoenix into the air onto the opposition. The Lucha Bros wiped out Hardwood and Wheeler at Rinsup, but a messy finish, including interference for Tully Blanchard and a belt shot. On Phoenix gave away the FTR scoring the Tainton win on the triple tag team, triple A tag team belts. I mean, and to me, honestly, um, the way they did it um, at the winning that, and then you see MJF in the back uh, with Andrade and money with his change. Um, and he said, This is only a one time deal. What's going to happen now with Andrade? Is he going to feel like, Oh, this guy, you know, he don't want to do business with me? And anything can happen. I mean, there's so many stuff that could happen, and there's uh, a lot of people were not, I uh, guess, too happy about this because they get this match a B minus. The biggest takeaway is that FTR is the most non Triple A tag team, uh, Triple A team in wrestling, and they know how not hold the promotion's title. With the idea being that they will have to travel to Mexico to defend the title against wrestlers who are definitely not the same style or influence, which is true. FTR is not. A team that flies around, but they are like the R. Anderson, Tully Blanchard. So, again, uh, really, really, really weird that they did that. But it should be fun to watch unfold, if nothing else. So, the FTR, the Pinnacle Hall, Andrade, a star they have known dating back to the NXT day, NXT day to tie up another, you know, other loose end. A backstage encounter between Andrade and MJF exposed a business relationship between the two, between the two, but only for one night. So, there you go, guys. So, it will be interesting. Again, what I just said to see what Andrade takes MJF, MJF's condescending tone personally and a rivalry between the two ensues. That'd be nice. Andrade against MJF. John Moxley. This match, I don't know what the hell, why this match happened. And at, at first, I don't know why is this happening because we knew who was going to win. But because of the world title eliminator coming up and then Orange Cassidy and, and um, John Moxley on the same bracket, 
we are going to probably see a Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley coming up. So, and and, and I'm gonna tell you why. So, <coughs> Willow Judah had the opportunity. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> wow. Uh, Willow Judah had an opportunity to establish himself as a player in AEW as he battled former world champion John Moxley. It didn't go well. The Moxley squashed him in a matter of seconds. Again, finished him with the paradigm shift. The ringside doctor, referee, and Orange Cassidy all checked on potentially injured Wheeler following the belt. And I mean, you can see Orange Cassidy looking toward the, toward the uh, I guess, the exit where Moxley left after the match. So we're probably going to see a Moxley versus Orange Cassidy uh, clash coming up. So that would be very, very interesting coming up. Uh, again, they gave this a great F. I, I don't know why, but unless the purpose of this was to demonstrate a less patient, more frustrated, angry monster, this had no reason to be on the show. It was a one-sided squash that battered no, better no one and only teased a Moxley versus Cassidy as Freshers Creed removed his sunglasses and stayed back in the Cincinnati Native's direction. And I just finished saying that. So, both likely, yeah, that's what it's going to. Um, I think that's why they did that. Uh, what a better way to do that. Then we had the Dark Order versus Super Click. This was a pretty good match. Super Clips, Adam Cole, John Buck, uh, Young Bucks. Battle Dark Order, Alexa, uh, Alexa, Alex Reynolds. I don't want to put Alexa here. Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Ima Uno, and Trio's action. The Red Hot start with action all over the place. Settle down as the heels earn control of the bout during the commercial break. They isolated Silver, cutting him off from his party, making him go across the ring to make a tag. And the baby face had any chance of earning the victory. He finally made a tag, and the action broke down with Dark Order momentarily getting the best of the super clip with Reno nearly pinned Cole off something evil by Eva Uno. A super kick by Cole, and the Panama Sovereign ended the spirited comeback. The Bucks delivered the BTE trigger, and Cole finished Reynolds with a boom for the win. After the match, Jungle Boy hit the ring and chased off the victors with a steel chair. He pumped Brandon Cutler and stood tall to close the segment. Uh, this was a B-plus match. I think I agree with that. Uh, and again, before that match even happened, um, the super click, and I can't actually, I can't even make it the Young Bucks uh, attack the uh, Jurassic Express in the back earlier during the show. So it looked like the uh, Jungle Boy and Adam Cole feud is not over. This is going to be interesting. Brandon Cutler, again, was left alone to take a beating. And, you know, uh, you have to ask this question. When is Brandon Cutler going to turn on the elite? Is it about to happen? When? You know, um, so as far as Dark Order is concerned, they they are, I mean, that team of Eva Uno, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver, that they moves is so crisp. And yet we're probably going to see them either turning heel. Silver and Reynolds may not be part of that new Dark Order. There's, I I believe it's going to come. And when Bray Wyatt shows up at AEW, other people saying that he's not coming. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's something to see. Uh, um, you know, this, it's crazy. Sting sent a message to MJF after MJF showed up thinking he was going to have a wrestling match and whatnot. And, of course, Darby Allen was not clear after getting attacked by the Pinnacle in the parking lot last week. So he's not he wasn't clear for his match. So Sting came out. He sent the message, but here's the crazy part. MJF had asked Warlow to come out, and Warlow came out with the referee, Ryan, um, I forgot his name, Ryan's Resberg. (coughs) 
in order to count so he could claim a forfeit win over Darby Allen, who couldn't make it because he was not clear. So, you know, um, and during that time when he did that, when Waller brought the referee, MJS said, I'm glad you're making yourself useful. So in other words, again, they teasing a Warlow, MJS breakup, but well, they even made it worse. Not worse, but worse for MJF because he went and he pushed Warlow in front of Sting when Sting came out. And when he pushed Warlow in front of him, Sting blasted Warlow with the bat on MJF ran. So, I mean, I cannot wait to Warlow turn on MJF. That's a very interesting story. And, you know, MJF being the a-hole that he is and Warlow, who is the, his worker, it can't be anything better than that. I can't wait, not wait to see where this goes. And I think Darby Allen will have something to do with that. Well, well, we'll see about that. So, you know, um, you know, oh, you know, it, it, we'll see. I mean, to me, it's something to look forward to. Kiara Hogan versus Penelope Ford. This match, it was all right. Kiara battled Penelope Ford in a single competition and a teaser for the upcoming TBS Championship Tournament. Ford dominated action early and often, controlling the pace throughout the commercial. A superplex for Hogan sparked her comeback and allowed the former Impact Wrestling Knockout Tag Team Champion to fire her way back into the match. Ford absorbed it all down her opponent and applied the Muda lock for the submission win. And after the match, Ruby Soho hit the ring and caught Ford and sending her crash into the engine wrap. So uh, the Soho and the penalty Ford is not over from what happened Friday night. Ford hit uh, Soho with a pair of brass knocks and the bunnies involved in that. So who's, we'll see what happened. They gave this match a C. Uh, you know, I said four was always going to win this is only because she's embroiled in a rivalry with Ruby Hole. Soho Hogan, those start here showing off the spark and fire that has defined her ring ability. Danny Burke, her time in Impact Wrestling. This woman has been there, I have not seen her win a match. And Kiara Hogan was one somebody I did not was crazy about, but when she teamed up with Tasha Steele's Fire and Flavor, that, that changed my whole mind the way she wrestled. I mean, she looks good, uh, she wrestles pretty good now, she's way better. So they had their, their interview hangman page and he pretty much he's ready to uh fight uh you know um Kenny Omega. He said he's ready for some cowboy shit. Uh I like the whole promo. The promo pretty much uh pretty much tells you what where his head is at. He talked about how him and the elite came to together to bring all 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 elite wrestling from Ring of Honor in New Japan when they were all together. They decided to leave there to you know create this new promotion and so you know he claimed that's cowboy shit mentality which i don't blame him so we'll see what that brian danison versus bobby fist uh brian danison surviving the counter with manu suzuki friday of course we just talked about that that's totally five hours later he battled bobby fist in the nine main event looking to make his record three three and oh and one in aew he was a driver's seat early controlling the man until fist took his legs out from underneath him sending the american dragon knee crashing into the ring apron. He seized control and worked over his opponent's injured joint during the break. Danison returned to favor, targeting Fish's left knee. He repeatedly wrapped it around the ring pole, sent him up for a kick. But Fish ducked and delivered back to a driver for two. Brian recovered, applied a heel hook, and forced a tap off for the hard fall victory. This match was pretty good. They gave this a B. Plus. Uh, this match, I like it because this brings me back real good professional wrestling from back in the days of Ring of Honor. So, you know, you can't ask for anything else. But let's talk about, before I leave you guys go, let's talk about the uh, the world title um, bracket, that uh, the tournament, the eliminated bracket. They got 10 
versus Moxley coming up. Of I think it's next week or the week after in the first bracket. Uh, and then they got Oris Cassidy versus Powerhouse. Out of that, I'm calling Moxley and and Oris Cassidy will have a face off, which will bring up for what happened when he did to Utah. And another bracket, you got Dustin Rowe versus Brian Dennison. That's probably gonna that's gonna happen next week. And Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. Nothing new that one because I seen these guys wrestle when Kingston was the heel and Lance was the babyface. So that is not something really that I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to see it. So, but overall, it's something to look forward to. And this is not going to affect the full gear uh, as far as full gear is concerned because uh, Hangman Page has that title shot coming up for that one. So we'll be right back after this with more wrestling news and rumor. we're back guys so let's go on here with some of the wrestling news and rumors of course leo rush recalls always butting head with triple h he said i remember flying to la from florida to have a conversation with tony a real conversation about events in my life him getting to know me me getting to know him that was the first we met at double or nothing he's talking about tony khan it was a lot of me being brutally honest with him and a lot of him being brutally honest with me and him expressing how much he really wanted me in AEW. I thought that was so cool. I didn't want another boss like Vince McMahon. I didn't want another boss like Hunter. People have different opinions about Hunter, but we always butt heads for different reasons. I mean, I remember when he was in, AE, um, in WWE, they talked about how he, uh, him and his wife were in the back locker room and how... He wasn't supposed to do that, have his wife in the back. Uh, and I find it kind of weird because I know a lot of wrestlers do have their wife in the back of the locker room, whatever. But, and I'm sure he probably bumped head because, you know, uh, Leo Rush is an outspoken dude. And he, uh, I mean, look at what he's doing now, you know, and he wants to be him. He doesn't want to be something that WWE and his, the team writers want to do. And that's to make a guy like Leo Rush with so much talent. And put, put some gimmick on him that doesn't make sense. And that's the way I look at it. You know, um, so it's crazy. Liv Morgan originally planned to beat Carmelo in WWE SmackDown. And I spoke about this last week. And I feel this is just my opinion. But a lot of people were talking about it. People, A lot of people were mad when Liv Morgan lost to Carmella, And it was because her uh, chit-chat back and forth with Britt Baker in Twitter. Uh, and there was a... Uh, rumor or a report that John Laurinaitis had called in Liv Morgan about having conversations with the enemy. And that goes to show you the stupidity and the man, the mindset that WWE has. And this is why they are where they are right now. And, you know, it's, it's crazy, but it is what it is. Josh Alexander wants to be in the AEW Owen Hart Cup tournament. And he, um, why not? He should be. He, I mean, the guy, first of all, the guy's Canadian. And second of all, he no, he he's a big fan of you know of you know the Hart family. So he said, I think this is a tournament that will showcase Owen Hart. Alert alert these new fans over the past 10, 15 years that might not know Owen Hart or all the amazing thing he has done. This will help people go back and watch all the amazing thing he did because he he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And I agree with him. If you go back, not I mean, he did have some great masters in WWE, but if you go back so his New Japan days, his Stampede Wrestling day, this guy was on top of things. This guy was 
Owen Hart, I mean, WWE did not know what to do with him. And when they decided to push him, they didn't push him all the way. And then they tried to play him when Bret Hart left. And look, and I felt like T-Pod, they tried to punish him. And they did this whole Blue Blazer thing where at the point where he didn't want to wrestle anymore. He wanted to retire. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. Carmelo Hayes wins the North American Championship on NXT. In the main event of October 12th episode of NXT 2.0, Isaiah Swirl Scott retained his championship against Santo Escobar after Hayes and Trick Willis fought off Joaquin Wild and Raul Mendoza. <coughs> Following the match, Hayes turned on Swirl and used his contract that he earned from winning the NXT breakout tournament to sacking a championship match against Swirl for the night. Now, of course, you know Isaiah Swirl is not part of Hit Row, which Mr. Top Dollars has been going um, to Twitter talking a lot of crap, a lot of nonsense about sneakers and all that. It's funny how a guy like that, who I haven't fooled for one, I have not seen his work. Number two, I'm going to laugh if WWE goes and use him for a couple of weeks and then he's in catering, hanging out with, you know, with um, Titus, you know, because, you know, they, 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 you know, I don't know. You got to be humble that you're able to wrestle in WWE because, you know, one, you you got to count your 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 blessings if you're going to be used the way you think you're going to be used. You're talking about that they're going to let you do your own promos when, first of all, you don't have seniority. So that makes no sense. So the only reason the WWE bring hit row is to bring their casual fans, like Roman Reigns said, on his little podcast, oh, the podcast he was in, and they asked him all these stupid questions where he said AEW is not competition. You know, they got a hardcore fan base, but the WWE, you know, they're looking for their hard their fan base and casual fans. Well, AEW is not looking for that. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And of course, talking about that, WWE raw attendance is attendance is lowest since return to touring as of this past Monday. The attendance of WWE Raw was reportedly the lowest since the show's return to touring in July. The show took place at the Chase Center in San Francisco, California, in front of 4,031 fans. You know what I'm saying? So, can somebody explain to me why, if WWE is this such great company, right, and they're doing so good and they're better than AEW, why are they only getting 4,000 people to come see them in California? That goes to show you, people are tired of WWE. They're tired. You can say whatever you want, but they're tired. Ace Romero comments comments on Impact granting his release. And he said, all I ever wanted to do was show the world what I can do. To not let people judge a book by the cover, entertain like only I can. With this chapter of my career coming to an end, I'm very so much looking forward to starting the next one and getting back to business. Thank you all for your love and support. See you when I see you. So now Ace Romero, who was part of a tag team. Uh, I forgot the name of the tag team. He got let go a couple of months ago, so he is no longer, you know, um, in Impact. And, of course, I already spoke about hit roll, top dollars, twinning. He said some of your favorite wrestlers only wear sneakers on camera to seem cool and hip, but in real life, they rock Vans, ASIC, exclusive, but you're not ready for the that conversation. But the Young Bucks fired back at the NXT roster saying they spent more on sneakers in September than the entire NXT roster did. So, there you go. If you think that shots are not being fired, and I'm sure WWE is encouraging this, 
to get some type of clout, it, it makes no sense. Can I go with a young buck? Because the young bucks are going to come out with something. Alex Hammerstone relinquishes openweight championship and agrees to fight Contra in the war chamber. It's coming up. His first partner is, of course, the dynasty partner, Richard Holiday, and later EJ Nuka, who declared his allegiance in the fight against Contra. So they already got three members into the uh, match for in the war chamber. I believe that's in uh, November something. I, I don't have the exact date, but Alex Hammerstone, I knew, knew he was going to give up the national openweight title after beating uh, the Jacob Fatu for the MLW world title, who ended his reign almost at 700 and change. Brian Cage said he never asked for the FTW title, and we never really did much with it. He said, this FTW title, which I never asked for it, it was handed to me. It was cool. It was neat, but it wasn't anything uh, I asked for or anything I needed. More so, we, we never really did that much with it. It was cool, but I didn't know. It wasn't different on the whole thing. Obviously, we how, how it all ended, it doesn't sit very well with me. The more we for, we got into with the, his thing it taking what the hell is that? the more we got into with this thing it was taking longer they probably should have and have gotten there and now at this point yes i want my retribution and still want to be ricky stark when it comes to a one-on-one match but at the same time i'm almost okay with moving on just to move on i'm caught in the middle where i want to team 10 it's barred from ringside stipulation, but at the same time, the idea of finally moving away from Team Taz feels damn good as well. So pretty much he, I don't know, he lost to Ricky Stark a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know what they're going to do with Brian Cage. They need to, you know, move on with that. So, you know, it, it's, it's been crazy. So anyway, ending this, uh, pretty much this one, I'm going to talk about real quick the main event, which is, uh, AEW Rampage and the buy-in that happened this past Friday. SmackDown putting a half an hour, a half an hour and FS1 to combat Rampage. My question was why? A lot of stuff, a lot of people on Twitter and other social media were saying that a uh, WWE was signing the death warrant. And pretty much, do I agree with that? No. The reason I don't agree with it because WWE has a lot of talent. They could do a lot of things. And the man really, really wanted to say, look, I've, I've been playing with these fans. I, I, I want to pull the, the, the chokehold on AEW Rampage and make sure that they never come back on Fridays. He could change his whole format and say, let's get to real wrestling. Forget about these 15-minute promos and all that stuff and really give it to AEW Rampage. But Friday night, uh, what I saw, as the buy-in came in, they had the nine o'clock buy-in came in at nine. WWE had Seth Rollins looking like Hailey Quinn's brother coming to the ring and talk about as that, that, that this feud has been going on for almost two months and it's still not getting nowhere. Um, to talk about the hell in the cell on Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel, whatever. And I'm saying to myself, let me get this straight. So you went and kind of challenged AEW Rampage by adding a half an hour extra on FS1 because you were not going to be on Fox because of the playoffs. So you went and put extra half an hour to then Tony Khan say, okay, you want to play games? Let's play games. He does the buy-in and he puts 
The first match of the night, I believe, if I'm correct, was Lee Moriarty against Bobby Fish. If I am correct. Let me look at my notes here. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. They're going to put a wrestling match. And actually, no. Let's get the... It was Santana Gav versus Ty Conti. So, WWE decides to pull Seth Rollins, have a promo against... Ty Conti and Satana Garrett, a wrestling match over a promo. So I'll say, okay, I'll see where they're going. They, 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 they think, uh, your shit is not, your shit's not going nowhere. Then they continue on, whatever. And then when we get to the main event, which was Minoru Suzuki and Brian Donaldson, what the WWE had on, they had a street fight between the Uso and the Street Profits. How many times are we going to see this match? Okay. And this is what I'm talking about. And then to top it off, after the Brian Dennison and the Suzuki match, then they decided to challenge uh, Rampage with the CM Punk versus Matt Seidel to put the match against Becky Lynch and Sasha Bank. Now, a lot of people say it was a banger. But of course, the one who was saying is a banger, uh, WWE loyalist. Okay. Now, I'm sure they had a great match, but the outcome, that's that's what I really look at. Not that you know it was a good match, but the outcome. We knew that people were getting involved. Bianca Belair got involved, and then to make it worse, you had your SmackDown champion get pinned. I want you guys to really marinate that for a second. Think about it. Bianca Belair interfere or play some interfering fight where um, Becky got pinned by Sasha. So basically people calling a banger and somebody had the nerve and the audacity to say it doesn't matter the outcome as long as it's a good match. And this is the part where gets me mad when I hear that. Because you want to get into argument with me about a wrestling match, but you're going to tell me you don't care of the outcome as long as it's a good match. The whole point of a wrestling match is to tell a story and then the outcome to make sense. Keyword here, sense. And people, oh, I don't care. And that is the problem. Because you got wrestling fans who say, oh, I don't care about the outcome then you should not be watching wrestling because you don't know shit about wrestling because a wrestling match is a story. And that story is going to tell you what's going to happen. But when you have a story, when it comes to these ladies, okay, and then you have the challenger pin the world champion before a pay-per-view, that does not make sense. That should not be the outcome. There should have been a disqualification or something and then leave a cliffhanger so when these women face off in the three-way at Crown Jewel, then you say, okay, this is what happened. Meanwhile, WWE is too busy trying to combat Rampage. I don't know why, because Rampage is not even making over 700 or 800,000 views on a Friday night at 10 o'clock, Okay. And even though the CM Punk and the Matt Seidel was a good match, even though you had this WWE loyalist talking about, oh, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch will outdraw. Get the hell out of here. Okay? It will outdraw because the com- these, these people who are stuck in the bubble of WWE don't come out to watch any other f- promotion 
oh, this is a good match. Oh, I don't care what's the outcome. That You don't know shit about wrestling. And I don't care what anybody says to me. That's like, oh, you, you just a WWE hater. No, I've been, I was, I grew up watching WWE. Okay. I grew up watching WWE since the Bruno San Martino days. I seen the, the Attitude Era. I seen the Ruler's Aggression. I seen the Benoit days. I seen when WCW was battling WWE. And you want to come and tell me that doesn't, you don't care about the outcome of the match, but it was a banger. How stupid does that sound? Okay. So, WWE decided to go after AEW for no apparent reason because they felt that, oh, you know, um, let's challenge them. For what? You don't battle that AEW Dynamite because you know you're going to get your ass whooped on that. Okay, You got paranoid when AEW Dynamite beat you two weeks in a row in the demographic thing, and then you went and hot shot your booking because, you know, Oh, we got to be AEW. Come on. Stop it. So we in a world right now where we have pro wrestling fans against WWE fans. Okay? And it's right now, it, yes, it's getting ugly. A lot of people are like, oh, we don't care about the ratings. Oh, we don't care about this. And it's always someone like, oh, stop taking sides. No, it's, it's not about taking sides. Okay? And in reality, it's, there is no side. Because WWE claimed... Oh, it's wrestling, but it's sports entertainment. So that's not pro wrestling. I don't want to watch sports entertainment. I want to watch professional wrestling. Okay. And again, and I'm going to keep repeating this. WWE had a chance this Monday coming up tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow. Okay. They had a chance to make to make people watch the show last tomorrow night because they had a chance. Xavier Wood won his match in the King of the Ring tournament. They had a chance. To put Xavier Woods against Kofi Kingston to go to the finals of the King of the Ring tournament for Thursday. But instead, they gave the match to Jinder Mahal, the worst world champion ever, besides the great Kali. Okay. The worst world champion ever. Okay. And they gave that match to Jinder Mahal so they don't have to put Kofi Kingston. And Xavier Woods to go at it. It doesn't make sense. That's not. That goes to show you the type of mentality the WWE has. You know what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. So, anyway, guys, this is it for me today. I, I think I ranted enough. I uh, gave you enough uh, juice for today. So, uh, again, guys, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Chokeslam Wrestling Report. If you want to follow my YouTube channel, you can also watch. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Uh, I got a lot of content there that you guys could enjoy. I haven't put anything yet because there's been so much crazy stuff going on, you know, in my personal life, but I'll get to it as soon as possible. Um, next week, I'll have the uh, the review will be uh, Bound for Glory, which will happen next Saturday. Even though it's going to start kind of late, so I'll probably going to be a little tired of that. I'll try to do it probably in the afternoon. Um, so I'll try to get it to you as soon, uh, very early if I can. Um, so got all this stuff going on. And also, guys, if you want to, uh, if you want the podcast uh, apparel, the hat, the shirt, you guys can go to tcwr.veryimpressive.com. That's tcw.veryimpressive.com. You get the hat, you get the shirts, uh, the home of the Chokesland Wrestling Report. And you can go and support the podcast by purchasing 
a shirt or hat. So, so with that, guys, uh, again, um, I will see you guys next week. Be blessed and enjoy the week as I will come back next week with more news and rumors. And I will definitely have it's, it's going to be packed next week because I'll have the the uh, oof, we're going to have Beyond the Glo- uh, Bomb for Glory, AEW Dynamite. They're probably going to have a rampage coming up, plus the re- final results of the G1 Climax and whatnot for New Japan. See who wins that coming up uh, next uh, this week. So until then, guys, be safe, and I will talk to you next week. Peace. Hit the music.